a big fan of all these artists that cut your songs. So that's how I kind of got familiar with, with your songs before you'd gotten your record deal. I mean, I was a huge fan of Tim McGraw. And for a little right. while, is one of my favorite Tim McGraw songs. I absolutely love that song. He, um, you know what? He really did just nail it. I mean, they put they cut such a great record on it. And I remember, of course, I was in the studio. I'd, I'd written this this music, and and I hadn't the, I finished the, the lyrics to it. And I was in um, I was in the studio, and of course, I, that's kind of what I do. It's my mo a lot. I, I write the lyrics at the very last minute, um, and I don't know why. It's just that pressure sort of maybe, maybe uh, a lot of people don't operate well that way but i seem to and and uh so i was writing the lyrics to the song in the studio as i was <laughs> as i was cutting the song and um and i remember and I, I remember taking it over to tim and those guys and um and uh and and then you know with, with byron gallimore who was my producer uh produced tim and joe d and a lot of and faith and a lot of people and uh, Byron's like, dude, this is a rocking thing. I really want. I'd love to see Tim cut this. And of course, they cut the living crap out of it. And and uh, it was just such a great record and um, undeniable, man. And uh, I tell you, it's one of my favorite cuts I've ever had. Is that song from experience? How did you come up with that song? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, it was about a girl, you know, as a lot of my songs tend to be, you know. And um, and I, I just uh, I wrote the song about a girl and. Uh, um, but, you know, the James River goes right through my hometown, Lynchburg, man. We'd always, we would sit there and we would watch the planes take off, you know, and I would just dream about what am I going to do? I mean, I knew I had to get out of there at some point and where was I going to go? But I would sit there and watch the planes take off and we'd sit there on the river and James River and watch it just go by, man, on summer days. And, um, I mean, what kind of memories? I just have such great, great vivid memories of that. And uh, and it's just a songwriter. That's what you do. You write about it. I'm, I'm glad it's one of your favorites because I've always that's always been one of my favorites that you, that you wrote. Just the idea of a breakup song that's not sad because the fact that you even had that girl in the first place was a miracle in itself. Just really cool idea. Now the other big Tim song you wrote was "My Next Thirty Years." You already touched on. Um, I liked it okay at the time. I was a kid when it came out. Now that I'm past thirty, I really relate to that song. <laughs> well, I think everybody does, and I think you know, for me, even you know, when I wrote it, I didn't think anything of it. I, you know, I, I really seriously, I sat there, I, I was having having coffee that morning, and I just, um, I, it was on my birthday, real literally, and I and I said, you know, um, wow, thirty, you know, and I just, and so I wrote the song down, and then I had a gig that night at this at this little bar. Um, it was called O'Charlie's uh, and I, and I set my piano up and I played that song. Everybody would come in and of course I'd play a lot of my originals and I'd play Billy Joel and Elton John. I'd play, you know, Van Morrison or whatever I would play. I would play all these Jimmy Buffett songs. And, um, so I had quite a following, you know, and, but I would also throw my songs in there. I would, I would play. I'm all right. I remember playing, um, my next 30 years that night. And I said, I just wrote a song this morning to see if you like it. And everybody went crazy. And they loved it. I was like, wow. I didn't really expect that reaction to it. And then, uh, you know, of course, I, said, I sat on it for a few years. And I don't even know if Tim um, was crazy about the song. Tim even talked to me about it. He said, I, I don't like the way I sing it. And he said, I wasn't crazy about my vocal on it. And I think Tim did a great job on it. I think it, it really was good for him. Um, a good song for him. But I know a lot of people are like, man, don't cut that song. It makes you sound old. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a humongous, multi-multi, you know, it was a big hit for him. So, look, I'm very grateful for it. You know, I'm very thankful for it. As you look back and you realize how 
how hard it was to, to, for those things to happen, to get those cuts. And then, then for it to be a single is a miracle. And then, then it becomes a hit or a number one song, you know, especially with all the politics that go behind all these things. And I wish I didn't know all I know about it now, but I, but uh, at that point I really didn't know as much. And um, you become an artist and you realize, <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> It's a miracle to have a number one song as it is. I've done over 30 of these interviews now, and I'm starting to learn about some of these politics that go on behind the scenes that, that I didn't know about, too. So You don't want to know. Yeah. I promise. <laughs> one of those 30-plus interviews I did was with Jody, actually, and we talked about you quite a bit. Um, obviously, you wrote Bye Bye, and, and I'm all right for her. She was telling me that uh, Bye Bye was not supposed to be a female song and that you were pretty adamant about that. Oh, I tried to talk her out of it. <laughs> I really did, Glenn. I, I was like... I really did. I was like, man, it's a guy song. I can't see a girl doing it. She's like, I, I, I really want to cut it, Phil. I really want to cut it. I'm like, man, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and then, and then, of course, she cut the crap. And then, you know, it was that song. You talk about a, a singer and an artist that can interpret a song. And Joni Messina, man, she is, she's one of the very best. I mean, I think she just is. I mean, uh, you know, I love women singers i really really do but but i'm but but there aren't i think so many of them i, I don't like when people try to let all this vocal gymnastics and they scream at me and they're, it's like i can't take it it's like stop screaming at me and there's mm -hmm. certain singers i can't listen to women singers like that and even men singers but um but she it's like bonnie Raitt, linda ronstadt some of those singers like that and i put i really do put jody in that category i think she's She's just got that voice, man, and she she it's just emotes soul, and um, I believe everything she says when she's when she sang bye bye. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> I'm like, holy crap! That song was made for you. So it's uh, she she deserves all the credit because I had to really I, I tried to talk her out of it. I really did. She also said, "I'm all right" was a song that you didn't want to let go because you didn't have Absolutely. your you didn't have your recording uh, contract yet. Um, so was it tough to let that one go? Well, you know what. I it was tough, honestly, but it, you know, but then after it was a number one song for, a, a, you know, <laughs> for, for however many weeks it was, I was like, you know, this ain't so bad, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, I always realized that, you know, if, if you're a writer and you think you've written your best song, then you then you shouldn't be writing songs. Oh. So I, I let it go. And I, and I said, you know, and, and, uh, and she, and she really, really did make it her own. And, uh, um, you know, of course, I do all these songs on my concerts. I do Bye Bye and I'm All Right for yeah. a little while, 30 years and right on the money. I do um, all of them, a lot of songs that a lot of artists have recorded. And and uh, so we it's um, it's all good. You know, you, you don't you don't really realize at the time how important it was to get those songs cut, you know, and how big of a deal it was. It was just for me, it, I waited so long, you know, to get my deal, to get my. Um, and, and finally, of course, you know, Just One of the Paradise was another song that Lone Star had cut on their, their uh, Lonely Grill album, which was a huge album. And and my label was like, you got to stop letting these people cut your song. I'm like, well, look, man, I'm going to get they put me in, a, in the um, like a year off from from being, an art, you know, from getting my record out. They said, look, I said, look, I'm just going to, you know, I'm on a I'm on a roll of unprecedented, <laughs> you know. I said, look, I'm having these number one songs like crazy. I said, I'm going to keep it up until you guys are ready to put me out. And so finally, my label head had to call Joe Galante, who was at RCA with uh, Lone Star. And he said, look, they can't have that song. They can't. 
So they had to give it back, and, and of course, it was a big hit for me. Carlene came out um, immediately. They just sort of um, they rushed my record release up, so they skipped over a bunch of other people that had already had their albums cut, and they put Carlene out and, and Paradise. I mean, the rest is, you know, it was, it was a great record for me. That first album was a big platinum record, you know. So yeah, Writing all those songs for these other artists that picked up, like, you know, Little Red Rodeo, Right on the Money for Alan Jackson, Postmark Birmingham for Blackhawk. Um, and, and several others, it, it earned you the uh, 1999 ASCAP Songwriter of the Year Award. Did that help you get the record deal, or did you already secure the record deal before winning that award? No, I mean, it. it uh, I'm sure it had a lot to do with it, you know, and, um, uh, you know, everybody kind of knew what was going on. I kind of came out of nowhere. Like, I didn't have, like, I remember going to the uh, uh, ASCAP Awards the year before, before I didn't, so I didn't have any awards, and then the next year, I was just so far the year <laughs> So within that year, you know, we I'd had six number one songs and it and it was just like, Holy crap. Everybody was like, Where'd you come from? I'm like, I've been here for fifteen years. What are you talking about? Or ten. <laughs> so it's that it's that ten year overnight success, you know, is basically what it was. I was the guy that you said would never fit in, remember? <laughs> yeah. And let me tell you what, a lot of them, I remember Garth and a, and a bunch of those guys, because I I was always trying to get Garth to cut some of my songs and he never ever did. I mean, you know, God love him. I loved Garth, you know, and and he's one of my favorites, but I could never get him to cut. I gave him "I'm All Right." I gave him all these songs, and um, and anyway, but he was like, uh, you know, um, anyway, he was. He's always been really, really gracious and a really good, <laughs> good, good friend. You know, he's a good man. You know, and uh, but anyway, a lot of people didn't like it. I mean, a lot of record labels hated my music. They said your music's too left of center. It's never going to work in Nashville ever. I mean, seriously, Tony Brown. A lot. The list goes on and on big big time producers and then uh, you know but it, you know what it did it's if you just work hard enough and you get lucky and and you have artists other artists uh, that believe in your stuff then you know, heck good things can happen well like you said you eventually did get that record deal the self-titled first album comes out and and you you talked about carlene and that's one i wanted to, to touch on a little bit more because to me <clears throat> it, it is my favorite phil vassar song your very first single how'd you come up with that you know what it was just um i i had just seen um, I'd just seen this biography on Cindy Crawford and, and of course, Cindy is gorgeous. And, and I got to meet Cindy and Randy, her husband, um, told her about this song because I really wrote it about Cindy Crawford and I changed the name to Cindy because I mean, Carlene, because Cindy just didn't, I couldn't, she didn't sing well. I'm like, I need a name. I need a name. I need a name. I need a name. And then, um, my buddy, Charlie, of course, my co-writer, he goes, I used to date a girl named Carlene in high school. I said, Carlene. I said, that's perfect. That's it. It fits perfectly. <laughs> so we changed the name. Of course, it was, uh, we'd had like six different names and, um, you know, but Carlene just stuck. And then, and, um, but it was kind of about loosely based on this girl, Janice Rokes, who was my valedictorian in my class, who was really gorgeous. And I, I was just like, you know, of course she never even, you know, I don't know. I was an athlete and she was the, she was the brainiac. I wish I was always like, man, it just never did ever happen, you know. I was kind of so that was loosely based on her, and then the Cindy Crawford thing came up, and she was valedictorian of her class. I mean, she was smart wow. and beautiful, and all this stuff. I mean, how? I mean, from DeKalb, Illinois, and I said, well. Um, so we just kind of came up with this 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 story, you know, loosely based on me and 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 um, you know uh, Janice Rokes, or or if it would have been Cindy Crawford, you know, so. Anyway, it was just a fun song. And, and, you know, with the record itself, the single, I mean, I remember talking to Bruce Hornsby, and he's like, Phil, 
this song. He said, it's great. He said, I love it. He said, man, good work. I mean, when you see, hear that from Bruce Hornsby, who is one of my favorites ever, you know, but he was like, man, dude. He said, man, he said, I heard it. I got chills, man. I'm like, God, man, thank you so much, you know? So I was really, really, uh, I loved that record. And, and <clears throat> the weird thing, Glenn, was my label closed right in the middle of the release. It got to about 40 or 35 or something like that. And then and Arista closed and was sucked into RCA, the label things. And as you know, stuff like that happens, man. It's it's death for yeah. a song. It can be death. I mean, the label closes and all that stuff. But, but RCA kept the uh, promotion staff. So it was me and Alan Jackson and Brad Paisley, Dom and Rio. And uh, I'm trying to think of what up. Carolyn Don Johnson, a couple of artists left. And a lot of people got dropped. But they, I was like... <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to have my record deal or keep it. or, And then I saw Joe Galante in an elevator, and he said, Phil, I love Carlene, man. He loved it because I just listened to your record. I love it. And I was like, so it means I have a record deal? He goes, you better believe you do. I mean, that really did mean a lot, you know? So I was uh, – the funny thing is I was writing with Mac Davis in L.A., and Mac was a dear friend, and I mm-hmm. miss him already. He's just a dear, dear human being, man. I, I, um, I can't tell you how much that guy meant to me, and – um, but we were in LA doing a, uh, I'm boring. I'm rambling. I don't even know if it's okay, but I'm rambling. You're good. You're, I got time. <laughs> I got time. We if were, you got time. <laughs> we were writing in LA and he's like, man. And, uh, I, we were out there for the ACM awards and, and he lived there of course. And, um, but I was writing with my hero Mac and, and he said, man, so we had so much fun. We just uh, kind of hung out and I was there over the weekend and, and Monday, Tuesday, um, I think the ACMs were the Wednesday following. And uh, he said, man, let's, let's, let's play golf next week. I said, well, I'd love to. He said, he, you know, of course, he's a member of the Bel Air Country Club, which is one <laughs> of the greatest clubs in the, in the United States. And I'm like, are you serious? You know, because I always heard about it through Bob Hope and all these people. And it was uh, all the stars played there. Engelbert Humperdinck, Joe Pesci. I mean, you name it. I, I talked to people that belong there. And I said, well, I would love that. So he said, okay, we're playing on Tuesday. So I said, great. So the next week comes along and the, and the label calls me and they said, we need you to do a, a, a video right away. Why? Right away of just another in paradise. I said, well, um, okay, I can do it when I get home. They said, no, 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 no. We want you to do it while you're in LA. We're sending over a treatment and we want you to do it right away. Let's just do it Monday or Tuesday. I'm like, well, okay. So it ended up being on Tuesday. So I called Mac and I said, Mac, I can't play golf on Tuesday. He goes, are you kidding me? <laughs> I said, no, I can't. i got to shoot the video for Just Sunday in Paradise here in Malibu. And he said, well, he said, you're lost. I just had a foursome with you, me, James Garner, and Bob Newhart. <laughs> wow. Can you believe that? So I didn't get to play <laughs> golf with James Garner, my hero, and Bob Newhart and Mac Davis because I had to do the video for Just Sunday in Paradise. So anyway, pretty crazy. Well, at least the video turned out good. The video was great, and it was a big number one song for me. So it was like, you know what? It was a, it was a, it was a blessing. I gotta say, but what a crazy story, and it's the truth.